Hey, this is Latif Mikado, and you're listening to the Good Night Freestyle Podcast, where I take some time each night to try and reflect on the freestyle scene, where it is, where it's going, and try to figure out how to sustain it, not just for future generations to enjoy, but also to benefit. So sit back, relax, and let's talk some freestyle. Hey, what's up, everyone, and welcome to the Good Night Freestyle Podcast, and this is episode 666. Woo, 666. My wife would have told me to skip this this episode. She would have said, don't don't do that episode. (laughs) Skip it. Skip. Go straight to 667. But, nah, then it would never be real. So, 666 it is. Um... I'm a spiritual dude, but um, uh, symbols and stuff like that don't uh, don't move me. I'm a little deeper than that, you know. I see people get into symbols. I like their whole lives uh, rely on symbols and idols and statues and crosses and uh, it's just not my jam. It's just not what I do. Very spiritual. I believe in it all. But I stay away from the symbols. I just, uh, there's something about them um, that, um, that to me, uh, I don't know, kind of shows, uh, I don't know, a bit of a weakness, kind of, you know, like a little vulnerability. And, uh, you know, be scared of a, of a God, you know, or, or God, even a God, if if you're into, but um, when it comes to statues and stuff like that, I, I don't res- disrespect them, don't get me wrong. I won't never defame anything. I will never uh, break a cross or throw it out or, or a Buddha statue or anything, anything. A Torah, a book. I will never do any of that. In fact, I'll be the one to uh, to preserve it as respect um, for others. So just because I don't get into them doesn't mean I won't respect them, you know? So, uh, you know, negative symbols like the 666, I don't really get into those because they're three numbers. And most people who say 666 can't even tell you what that means. They have no, no clue. They saw it on, on, on the movie uh, The Omen, and uh, that's it. <laughs> but nobody really has uh, the right information about it. So I don't even have the right information about it. So but anyway, um, yeah, for those who don't know, I am Muslim. Um, I became Muslim in 19... 19- I think it was 1988, um, was when I was given Shahada. Um, it was while I was incarcerated, people said, oh yeah, everybody finds, uh, they find God when they're in, uh, in prison. Yeah, but you know what, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. Find them wherever you can. Hospital, just don't find, find them when you're in the coffin. That's too, you're too late. So find them somewhere, you know. Um, <clears throat> 
It was interesting for me because um, I was in a cell, right? This was in Queens House of Detention for Men in Queens, New York. And I was in the, it was detention. I wasn't sentenced yet. I ended up doing three and a half years, but I was still there, I think under two years, maybe a year and change. And um, I was in a cell. And when you're in a kind of detention center where you're, you're in a cell, and it's the solo cell, you're there by yourself. Hold on. So when you're in a, when you're in a cell, when you're in a cell like that, you really, you find, you find ways to get out of it. You want to get out. And uh, so what happens is you, you look forward to lunch. If you go into a mess hall or even the day room, uh, you look forward to going to the gym whenever they call rec or you go to the yard when they call rec or the yard. Um, sometimes you make appointments for the doctor or the eye doctor. Um, you then, then the big thing is services, religious services. And when you're in prison, especially in New York, they pretty much have them all. Jewish services, Catholic services, Christian services, Protestant services. Baptist service services. Right now, they probably have Buddhist services. They didn't have them when I was there. The way they get the services is someone has to be questioned. I think it has to be more than three people to form a congregation, and then you could create um, a service, right? <clears throat> I forgot how many people, but anyway, it has to be more than one person. Um, and they'll give you a space, and they'll help you. They'll let you observe on those days. You got to put it in. You know, usually you have to get someone from the outside who's um, an authority um, and what they'll do is speak up for you and they'll go and, you know, they'll let people know, hey, there's a legitimate, the illegitimate, this is what they do, this is what they need. So anyway, um, so what happened with me was whenever they called any kind of service, I was there. Protestant services, Christian, Catholic, Judas. I went, I went to all the services and last but not least, Muslim services. Um, and what was so funny is that <clears throat> the way I ended up in the beginning, I didn't go to Muslim services. It's a little intimidated. I'm a light-skinned Puerto Rican. It was mostly black. Um, no Arabs at that time, not where I was. It's black Muslim and African-American. And um, I never, I didn't know anything about it. So I didn't know if I was even welcome. I had no idea. And um, the mailman that used to come and deliver the mail, his name was Sharif. And I remember I had um, a plastic rosary around my neck with a cross. It was a green rosary with a white cross on it. And the, 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 the mailman, his name was Sharif. Good looking, clean brother, had wore a kufi. I mean, at that time, I was in my 20s, he was probably in his 30s. Um, <clears throat> um, very intelligent, extremely nice. Um, I remember one time they accidentally sent me cash, which is contraband, and 
he told me don't worry about it. He'll put it. He'll put it in uh, my account, which I I thanked him. And um, I remember I was talking to him. We used to talk a lot. Like, just he was just a good brother, man. I just really used to enjoy. It was a CO. He was a, he was a correction officer. He just handled the mail. That was his job. And I remember him. He, we were we had bars between us, and I remember him reaching through the bars and grabbing hold of my cross. And I'll tell you something, man. For for a second there, I thought he was gonna rip it. Forgive me for thinking that way. But I didn't know. I thought he was gonna take it and yank it, and the beads were gonna be all over the place. But instead, what he did is he picked it up and he turned it around because the the, the Jesus figure was turned around. It was facing my chest. And he turned it around and then he kind of patted like to straighten it, make sure it's it's nice. And he was doing this while he was talking to me about something else. And this brother has no idea that now, what, 30, maybe 33 years later, that I still remember that one gesture. I will never forget that one gesture. And when he did that, it made me rethink about Islam. And at that point, I started doing my own little research. And I remember the first time I stepped into a mosque, which was at the Queen's house. And um, yeah, I stepped into the, into the mosque in Queen's house and um, I didn't know anything. And the brothers there pretty much guided me. You know, they, they welcomed me in. I sat down. They spoke to me. They asked me my name. And they were extremely nice. I had to sit on the floor. Told me, yo, take your shoes off. I, take my, I didn't realize that I walked onto the Mosella with, with my shoes on. And they asked me to take my shoes off. I took my shoes off and I sat there. And I listened, and I was, and I was just so amused, not amused, that was the right word, amazed, or I was just like, like I found something. It, it felt like this was where I belonged, but at the same time I didn't belong, because I still didn't know. And when I looked around, there was no one in that place that looked anything like me. Now, I didn't turn Muslim. I wasn't Muslim yet. But it was that day that I went back to my cell. And it was in Queen's house that I prayed to the same Jesus that I prayed every single day. And what I told Jesus in my prayer was that instead of from now on, instead of praying to him that I will start praying directly to God and that there was no way I could have been wrong. If I am to forgive me, that I want to pray the way he prayed. I didn't know how to make salat. I didn't know anything about Islam. I only knew that they didn't pray through 
anything. They pray directly to the Creator, the same one we all follow. We just call them at different names, but it's the same one, the big one. <clears throat> when I ended up getting, going upstate, going up to prison, they sent me to Camp Facilia. And it was just so weird that from all the dorms, I was placed in the back of one dorm in particular, which was actually there were trailers, because it, uh, it was a camp, Camp Facility upstate New York. They put me way up in the back with another brother that I got shipped up there with. His name was Chris Watts. And we still keep in touch, well, just till the other day. I found him on Instagram, I can't find him anymore, but I'll find him. Anyway, um, him and I sat there and there was another guy across from us in his bunk who used to talk to this Muslim guy. We didn't realize that the guy that was sitting in the back with us, that was in the back there, little light-skinned brother, that he was Muslim too because he didn't have a kufi. But the one he used to talk to had a kufi. But what come to find out that he was the more knowledgeable one, the light-skinned brother, that didn't have the kufi. And he was basically an imam, and his name was Shabazz. And every day, every night, him and that one brother, his name was Rahim, would gather in the back of the dorm, and they would talk. And even though I was watching, reading books and magazines, I really wasn't, I was listening to them. And it seemed like every day, another Muslim, or every week, another Muslim would join in, or every other day, or whatever. And they would get in the back, and they would, next thing you know, it's three, four. And a couple of times, at the Imam Shabazz, and we didn't look at him as the Imam yet at that point. He was just the older brother that we could learn from. Every once in a while, he would turn, he would catch me looking his way, and I would look away. Until one, of the, one day, we already knew each other, he asked my opinion, he asked me to come on over. And he got me involved in some conversation. I forgot what the conversation was about. But from that point on, I stayed going to the back and, and meeting up with the brothers every night. And, and the congregation, it was just, it wasn't, there weren't Muslims yet. They, this was one Muslim, Rahim and, and Shabazz. And the little congregation in the back kept getting bigger and bigger. Excuse me, guys, let me get some water. The congregation kept getting bigger and bigger until one day Shabazz came to us and he said, that he put a call in or a request to hold Juma services every Friday at the church, at the local church in the facility, which was a little building, a little chapel outside in the yard. And we were able to go in there and we could move things around, but we had to put everything back. And it was at this point that I realized the, the, the level of respect that Muslims had for other houses of worship and other books and other people's beliefs. And this is what attracted me, I think, the more, the more, more, to, more than anything, was the level of respect 
that we were taught to have for everyone else. We never looked as though we were better or we knew more. We were just, it's just a different ideology, that's it. We didn't believe that because I was Muslim and you were Christian, I'm going to heaven, you're going to hell. I was never, I was never taught that. And to this day, I don't believe that. I believe good is good. I believe good is good. And I do believe in all the religions. I believe that they're there for a reason, for whatever reason. And little by little, more and more people started showing up to Juma until one day, Shabazz asked me if I wanted to take Shahada. And Shahada was the time when they would, I would convert to Islam. And there probably was about eight or nine of us at the mosque at that time. And I wanted to, I wanted to be Muslim at this point. And I, was, I got excited. I was, I felt great that they asked me. I didn't have to volunteer. I didn't have to ask them. <clears throat> and I remember I sat on, I was on my knees in the middle of the mosque or the church. It was a mosque at that time. And they circled me and they had me put my right finger up, my index finger. And he said, repeat after me. La ilaha illallah. And I said, la ilaha illallah. Wa rahula sharika lahu. And I repeated, wa rahula sharika lahu. Wa sharu'ana Muhammadan Abdullah Rasulullah. And I repeated that as well, which meant, I bear witness that there's no God but Allah. And that there's, and that the Prophet Muhammad was his last messenger. Now mind you, Allah is just an Arabic word that means God, just like Eli in Arabic. I mean in, in Hebrew, in, uh, in Hebrew, Eli means God, same God. Or Dios in Spanish, same God, just different, different languages. <clears throat> And that Muhammad was the last messenger. Not that he was the only messenger, because we believe that Jesus was the messenger. We believe that Adam was a messenger, that Abraham was a messenger, Moses. Um, so we believed in all of these guys. As and, and another name for messenger is prophet. Prophet Muhammad was the messenger. <coughs> the messenger of God. Jesus, the messenger of God. They stand on the same level. Jesus and Muhammad, one is not bigger than the other. This is how Islam teaches, teaches us. But of course, if you watch the news, you're gonna think totally different. Because you got a bunch of animals who are trying to portray themselves as Muslims. And we're sad. But anyway, one more thing before I go. My name, Latif. The actual name is Abdul Latif, which means Latif is an attribute of God, there's, or of Allah. God, we'll say God. He has 99 attributes. Uh, I think Latif is number 32, and it's really El Latif. Latif is an attribute, meaning it's a characteristic of, a, of God. And uh, Latif comes from the root word, it, it comes, it's actually Latifun, which means subtle or mysterious. Right? El Latifun means the mysterious. I'm not the mysterious. I'm not the subtle. And the only ones that can be the subtle or the mysterious is God himself. 
So I'm Latif, Abdul Latif, which is my attribute. Abdul means servant of, and now think about it. Abdul Latif is servant of the subtle, the subtle, or Abdul Latif, servant of the tranquil. And that's where my name comes from, but, but let me go a little deeper for a second. I had a really good friend of mine in the city jail, way before I became a Muslim. And I knew a lot of Muslim names. I knew a lot of Muslims that, they're just people not that we weren't into the religion together, but we're just friends. And from all the names, I love the name Latif. There was something about the name Latif that I really loved. And I had always wished that if I ever became Muslim, that I would want my name to be Latif. And do you know that name was given to me? <coughs> Excuse me, guys. <clears throat> that name was, was chosen for me. I never asked for it. I never told the story. I never requested it. I never hinted about it. I never said, oh, I love that name. I never wrote it anywhere. And the name was given to me. And I've held that name ever since. In fact, Latif is also my son's legal middle name. And it's also my grandson's legal middle name. So it's very interesting. So, anyway, it's funny that I chose episode 666 to talk about this. Anyway, <laughs> okay guys. I'm going to shut it down. I appreciate you tuning in. Uh, thank you for everything. Anyway, listen, until tomorrow, be cool. Be safe. Assalamu alaikum. And until tomorrow, good night, freestyle. Before I lay me down to sleep, I pray to hear a freestyle beat. For if I die before I wake, I hope to make it to the break.